If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Yeah, I'm no good, he said. Why, that's easy to see. I am sticky stuck here. I just stuck being me. Hey, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm really excited about today. I mean, super excited because yesterday something really fun happened in my life, and that is that my very first children's book released into the world. If you've been listening for a while, you have for sure heard me talk about this book. It's called God Made You to Be You, and it's about a little cactus named Sammy. And I think I have not been as proud of a project as I am with this project right here. And I think the reason I'm so proud about this project is it feels like such a collaborative work. I have a co-writer, Tama, that helped me put so much great thought into this book. The story came alive to me a couple of years ago, and I've been fleshing this out with friends. The illustrator, oh, the illustrator, to be so in love with something that you had nothing to do with is one of the best feelings in the world. And the illustrations in this book, they're beyond beautiful. They are inviting. It is so fun to see the animals come to life. David did a phenomenal job. And so this group project feels very, very special going out into the world. The second reason I'm so excited about this project is because of the feedback that we've gotten. We were able to host a party at my house about a month ago, and we invited families with small children, and we wanted to gift them the book. We wanted to celebrate what God was going to do in this book through all their lives. And the feedback that we've gotten from those parents has been amazing. In fact, at the beginning of the show, you heard my friends Colton and Lacey and their little son reading the book together. And I hear that all the time. I hear my friends saying, this book sticks with you. My kid wants to read it over and over again. My kid has this book memorized. And surprise, I'm going to read you the entire book at the end of this show. And you're going to see why it's so special because it's beautiful. The words mean something to the kids. It's easy for them to jump into the story. And so I'm super excited to all of you guys that have already ordered the book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My biggest prayer is that whoever gets this book that you ordered, whoever you sit down and read the book with, that these kids will fall in love with these characters. But more importantly than that, they'll fall in love with the truth that God really did make them special, that God really did make them with a purpose, that our differences are not bad, and that God made them to be them. Or as Sammy finds out, God made you to be you. So this episode today is going to be a little different. It's just me. And people ask me all the time, hey, would you ever do a solo podcast? And the answer is no, because I like to talk to people. So I'm imagining right now that as you're listening, that you're literally sitting across my podcast desk with me. And then I'm talking to you about this story and how God brought this whole book to life. 
For those of you that have already gotten the book, I would love to hear from you as to what you love about it. I would love to see the pictures of your kids reading it. Tag me on Instagram and Facebook. I would love that so much. But I thought I would tell you where the story came from. And it actually came from a chapter of my book, UBU, which released a year ago, October 1st. It released October 1st, 2020. It's available anywhere you buy books. And it's a precious book to me about inviting women to really believe the same concept that I wrote in this kid's book is to believe that God made them special, that God made them with a purpose and that they can find satisfaction and success in exactly who God made them to be. So I've read an entire book on that. And there's a part of the book that talks about a cactus. And so I thought today what I would do is I'm going to read you chapter eight from my book, UBU. If you've already read it, I hope this is a blessing to you to hear me read it over you. If you haven't read it, I hope it blesses you because you've never heard this before. And then at the end, I'm going to read God Made You to Be You, the new kids book that just launched into the world yesterday. All right, story time with Jamie begins now. Chapter eight of You Be You. It's titled Bloom Where You're Planted. A few years ago, my boys were trying out for football at their school. And depending on how well they performed in practice, they would each be selected to play on either the A team, which is the best team, or the B team, which is the second best team. Some schools are so big that they even have a C team. Know how I know that? Because one of my boys spent his seventh grade season playing on the C team. Now, I can say as their mama, I could not have cared less about which team my kids were selected to play for. I spent all of my middle school years on the B team in basketball, and I turned out just fine. Not once in adulthood have I ever grieved my fate as a B team basketball player. So while my boys certainly felt differently about it than I did, they obviously wanted to make the A team, and I wanted it for them as well because they wanted it. All I really cared about was that they ended up on the same team. Because while I know there are worse things to endure in life than what I'm about to say, and while I like to watch football as much or more than anyone I know, I would much rather spend only two hours at the ball field than four. But enough about me. Let's keep the focus on the kids, shall we? That's why I was so glad during the parents' meeting when the coach told us something that he'd been telling the boys who were trying out, and I haven't stopped thinking about it since that day. No matter what team they ended up being placed on, he said he expected them to do their best. In his words, bloom where they were planted. Bloom where you were planted, he'd been telling my sons. I even pulled out a piece of paper and scribbled those words down so I would remember them. Side note, you guys, if you knew the number of papers that I have in pockets and purses and books, etc., where I have scribbled things down, you would very politely introduce me to the notes app on my phone. Listen, I know it's there. I just really like a pencil and a paper sometimes. And sometimes I remember where I put these notes. Okay, back to where I scribbled this down and put on a piece of paper where I would remember this forever. You know, because sometimes you can't control where you land. Just like my boys couldn't control which team the coaches chose for them any more than I could control whether my weekly schedule would need to accommodate one game or two. But they could bloom where they were planted. They could play their hearts out on whatever team they were a part of, whether it was the A team or the B team. We can always choose to bloom right where we're planted. There's a lot of talk in our world today about choosing your destiny about making yourself great. How if you don't like your circumstances, you have the power to change them. And while I'm all about hard work and striving, I do want to scream when I hear such statements as these. I recently came across a video of a woman giving a pep talk to her followers, and I found myself sucked in by it and hanging on every word she said. 
For two and a half minutes or more before I snapped myself out of it, all I could seem to think about was how if I started doing the steps she was laying out, that my life would maybe start to look a whole lot more like hers. She made me feel as though I could do really big things for the world, for my career, if I would just work harder, if I would just do the things she was telling me to do. The only problem with this pep talk is that my life looks nothing like hers. I have four kids, for one thing, and each one of them has his or her activities outside of school. I have a career that includes travel, and I work from a tiny house on my property with no office manager. My husband is a pastor and a songwriter who happens to travel a good bit as well. We do our own laundry, get our own oil changes, and even cook our own food, probably unlike the lady I was watching in that video. I truly do want to be successful like her, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Can I be honest with you for a second? I think our culture has confused success with money. I think we've confused success with status. I think we've confused success with followers. Can I be a bit more honest with you? I think I've confused success with some of those things myself at certain points in my life. I absolutely want to be successful at everything I do, whether in my parenting, my marriage, my career, or whatever else. I have a feeling that you do as well. I don't want to fail at anything. I like putting my best foot forward in everything I do. But really, if I'm thinking more clearly and with less selfish ambition, all I actually want to do is bloom where I'm planted. Or to borrow a word I've used throughout this book, I want to be faithful. Faithful with what God has given me. Faithful where God has placed me. Faithful to the people that God has put in my life. Can I tell you a few ways where I think we're prone to confuse success with faithfulness? We often say that success is all your kids loving Jesus their whole lives because you raised them right. When actually faithfulness is pouring into your kids and understanding the result is not up to you. We say that success equals creating a product that sells a lot and causes you to become known. Whereas faithfulness is creating a product that you're proud of, supporting and standing behind. We might say that success equals winning woman of the year in your industry or community. Whereas faithfulness It equals showing up for your community in the ways that God has gifted you. We might say that success equals marriage plus children before you turn 40, whereas faithfulness is serving God, whether alone or with a family. We might say that success equals building a platform that gives you access to a wide audience. And you know what faithfulness is? It's serving the ones that God has already given you influence over. When we idolize another person and what their version of success looks like, We create a standard that is not only unreachable, but honestly, it just doesn't apply to us. I'll give you an example. Imagine a woman who, for whatever reason, works outside of the home. Maybe she loves her job and feels a great purpose in what she gets to do. Or maybe her family couldn't survive without her income. Or maybe she's the one who brings in the most money while her husband is the one who stays home with the children. The reason doesn't really matter for my little illustration here. But if I've determined in my mind that a successful mother is defined as a woman who stays home with her children, I've not only created a standard that isn't reachable for many women in our world, but I'm proposing that my idea of success is the only correct view of success. I've now defined success by something other than faithfulness. And I'm through doing that. A woman who is faithful to what God has pressed on her heart is a successful one. The woman who listens to what God asked her to do for her career and her family and obeys him, 
That's the successful one. You know, I immediately think of my friend Jen as a faithful woman. She actually designed the logo for my podcast and has helped me think through many dreams of mine, not just mine, but a whole lot of others. She aptly calls herself a dream defender for the women she works with through a ministry she runs called Camp Well, which side note, you guys go check out Camp Well. You can find it at thewellsummit.com. They're doing such great work. She runs Camp Well, which helps women recognize their dreams and make them a reality. I remember the first time I met her, we enjoyed bowls and bowls of chips and salsa, which if that happens and we meet each other, you're an immediate friend. And we talked as if we'd known each other forever. We dreamed up a project over lunch that day, which even though we still haven't accomplished it, I think it's a great one. And maybe someday it's going to jump off our pile of ideas and become a living, breathing reality. One thing that sets Jen apart from many other women today is that she's made a conscious decision not to have children, to not become a mom. And I'll be honest with you, when I first met Jen, I didn't fully understand this decision. I've dreamed of being a mom since I was a little bitty girl. And I assumed without thinking that every other little girl had the same dream as well. But I've learned from Jen and a few others of my friends that it's a naive statement to make. Painting success for a young wife with only one color of a brush Hearing her talk about it recently on Annie F. Down's podcast, that sounds fun. Shout out to Annie. Y'all go listen to her show. It's so good. I was hearing her talk about that recently and reminded me of things that Jen had told me before. You see, God had shown her years earlier that his plan for her life did not include children, even before she was married for 15 years in a destructive relationship that despite all of her fighting for, eventually ended in divorce. Looking back, she said she wondered if God was sparing her children from the pain of going through their parents' divorce. Maybe so, but she was always 100% clear that children would not, indeed could not save her marriage. So fast forward a number of years where Jen found herself in love again, this time with her now husband, Rhett, which Rhett has been on the happy hour, you guys, side note. She wasn't sure how he would feel about 41-year-old divorced woman who never wanted children, but I'm happy to announce that they were happily married and God hasn't changed her mind or feelings in regard to having kids. Yet, if you've been reading along and still feeling a little judgmental towards Jen and her position on not having a family, see if this changes your mind. A few years after moving to Northwest Arkansas to start her new life with Rhett, tragedy struck a member of her newfound community. One of their dear friends was killed in a motorcycle accident. And in one of the most selfless examples of friendship and love I've ever seen, Jen has completely given herself to his wife to help meet her needs during this horrific season of suffering. Jen's become like family to her, spending hours and hours just being with her, whether it's been playing with her son or helping out with everything and anything at a moment's notice, even including them and her family vacations. In the podcast with Annie, she shared that God had given her, though many years ago, a single word to claim when he'd impressed on her heart that she shouldn't have kids. His word for her was available. And though she couldn't possibly have known in those early days of womanhood how this word would play out in her life, God's plan has become abundantly clear for Jen. She's been completely available to her friend throughout this entire grieving process, more available than she could possibly have been if she were caring for her own kids at home. And so this opportunity has helped her see that God's plan for her, for her, was the best one. And I can't help but smile when I think about it. Her life has been purposeful and meaningful, successful, I'd say, in ways that some people would tell you she couldn't or shouldn't be. But she's taken her circumstances and leaned into what God has shown to be her calling, and she's been faithful to that. I look at Jen's life today, and I see her redefining what success looks like in so many ways. She's not concerned about followers or building a brand or selling more of her books or improving her destiny. She's simply concerned with being available to her friends, blooming where she has been planted, And I call that success. I hear a common sentiment from women today. All right, friends, I'm going to take a break from reading real quick so you can get a sponsor for the show in and I'll be back to finish up this chapter. 
If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Imagine bold, naturally-aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating handfuls of thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag, taking a bite out of an irresistibly bold block of extra-sharp cheddar cheese. (sighs) We know you want to get back to streaming, but wasn't it nice to daydream about cheese for a bit? Tillamook cheddar, extraordinary dairy. All right, guys, back to chapter eight of UBU, Bloom Where You're Planted. I'm imagining that I'm sitting here reading this book to you. So here we go. I hear a common sentiment from women today. They want bigger and better. 
again, hear my heart here. I want to do better too. I want to reach more women. I want to grow my opportunities. The problem arises, however, when we yearn for a different, bigger, and better right now than the people that God has put right here in front of us, right this moment to serve and love. When that yearning for a bigger and better influence discounts what God has given us today, or when bigger and better is defined by an unattainable standard, that's when we start veering off track. Let me put it this way. When you're looking at the influence that God has given you, whether it be the three people who live in your home or the 8,000 people who follow you on Instagram or the 12 ladies in your office or the 83 students you teach or any other person who's right there in front of you and you despise them because you want bigger and better than that, your heart may have a problem. Perhaps you might have cringed at that word despise, but I use it on purpose. I think that's what we do, whether we know it or not. We look down on and devalue the people who are already in reach of our voice, placing greater value on those phantom unknown people who don't even exist. We begin to think that we're not making an impact because the number of people we have influence over is rather low in our opinion. Anytime we put hard figures on our actions, we develop an altered view of what success and calling look like because the quality of your influence, it matters more. It matters much more than the quantity of your influence. Let me say that again for you guys. The quality of your influence matters more than the quantity of your influence. My friend Jen is not yet writing books on how to walk with people through grief. And although she may write that book someday, she's faithfully walking with her one friend and she's making a difference right where she lives. Another friend, Andrea, influences college students every semester. It might look like just a job to some, but to her, it's an influence over those few young women and men that God has placed in her path. My friend, Amy, never would have imagined herself running a therapeutic horse riding and respite organization. But 16 years ago, God blessed her with Mabry, a daughter who has special needs. Amy's influence is not worldwide, but she's definitely changing the lives of 45 adults each week who struggle in mind and body and find healing comfort through active engagement with animals. The quality of Amy's influence reaches a magnitude that some of us could only dream of. By the way, check out her organization, blueskytexas.org. They also sell things that all of her friends make there, so check it out. Blooming Where We're Planted isn't just for seventh grade boys wanting to play football in the fall. It's something for all of us to remember in our lives. When we get down to the nitty gritty of blooming where we're planted, I think some of us are confused about why we're planted in this particular spot. We might think we have a better idea of where we could be used. When I was in my late 20s, we lived in a suburb outside of Nashville and my husband traveled all the time, as I've said. When I say all the time, I mean all the time. It meant mama was solo parenting a lot of days in a year. I remember one particular weekend when I became thoroughly convinced that my life was just not what I had planned it to be. I started to compare my life to Aaron's and I wasn't happy with the part I'd been left to play. Being alone with my kids while my husband was out having the most fun of his entire life without me. Okay, I leaned toward dramatic when describing my feelings. Just let me say that. (laughs) He was staying in hotel rooms while I was lying in our bed under sheets that hadn't been washed in who knows how many weeks. He was eating out in restaurants while I was eating chicken nuggets, peas, and peaches for dinner most nights. He was needing to buckle only his individual seatbelt every time he went out to drive while I was wrangling two toddlers into car seats every time I had to go somewhere. He was sleeping entire nights without someone waking him up, whereas I was interrupted from my slumber many nights for water or because of a scary dream or a monster under the bed. Now, let's be fair, which I tried to be. Yes, my husband was in a band traveling all of those days, which is true. But I can guarantee you that he would have chosen to be home with me rather than sleeping on clean sheets in a new hotel room every weekend. 
I can guarantee he would have chosen chicken nuggets, peas, and peaches with his family instead of eating at a table full of dudes. He would have always chosen to be with us if he had the choice. And side note, you guys, this is in the book, but if you follow me on Instagram, you know that Aaron cooks most of our meals. So if he would have been home, we would not have been eating chicken nuggets. We would have been eating like chicken enchiladas with homemade salsa. That's what we would have been eating. But Aaron was living exactly where God had planted him, just as I was living where God had planted me, even when all I could see was hard and difficult and different from what Aaron had. I would daydream about putting on a power suit and walking into an office full of windows on the 12th floor of a building and get stuff done. But in reality, I was walking to the kitchen in my pajamas at 2 p.m. to heat up my coffee for the fourth time that day and probably getting nothing done. One Sunday when I'd taken my boys to church alone again because Aaron was out of town, I came home having one of those days. I was grouchy. I was certain that God had forgotten me. I was tired. I was lonely. I was looking all around instead of right in front of me. I was sitting on the porch of the first house we ever owned, watching my boys play together on the swing set in the backyard. They were having so much fun because that's what kids do even when their parent is stuck in their own pity party. But Aaron was on the road and my attitude was less than par. I was jealous of his hotel room, jealous of whatever meal he was eating at a restaurant, jealous of his quiet, jealous of everything that I thought was better than my current reality. But right there in the middle of my pity party for one, it was as if my eyes were instantly awakened and I realized what was right in front of me. My boys, my babies, my people. I stared at them through eyes that only a moment before had been seen only duty and diapers and dishes to clean up. And as tears trickled down my cheeks... God adjusted something within me. For a sweet moment, I looked at my situation through a new lens. I began to think this way. I get to see them every day. I get to pour into their lives every day. I get to read them the same stories over and over every night at bedtime. I get to comfort them in the middle of the night. I get to hold them when they're tired. I get to nourish their bodies with meals three times a day and snacks 539 times a day. I've actually never forgotten that moment. It was so vivid, so redefining. It may not sound like much as I read it to you, but I cried that afternoon like I hadn't cried in a long time. I repented of my ugly thoughts in my heart and I begged God to remind me that my influence was huge and substantial right where he had me. Yes, the thought of being out of town and using my influence the way my husband was doing, it looked mighty appealing at times, but it wasn't where God wanted me. And that meant it wasn't where I should have wanted to be at that moment either. And I think we can all stand that kind of course correction every now and then. At that time in my life, God had planted me alongside two little boys that I got to be home with and influence every single day. At other times in my life, it's been all four of my kids at home with me. At other times, it's been a classroom full of eighth grade students in a yearbook class. Yes, you guys, I was responsible for the eighth grade yearbook and my first teaching job out of college. I also coached the middle school volleyball teams, even though I had never played a day of volleyball in my entire life. True story. At other times, it's been a room full of fifth grade girls in a Sunday school room. Today, it's being a mom to four kids in a way that looks different than it's ever looked before. And I expect it'll be different year to year, decade to decade, just as sometimes it is different day to day. But my ability to succeed in life is not determined by the number of people I influence. It's only determined by how well I steward the influence I've been given. Serve where you are because those people matter and God has a purpose in putting you there. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. God has made you what you are, a mother or a daughter. Serve God as such. There is something for you to do in your position. 
Extraordinary calls may come, and I pray they may come to some here present, but they are not likely to be given to those who cannot use their present everyday opportunities. We may be called to a very special service and have special grace given, but it is best for us till such calls are felt to mind our business in the station of life in which God has placed us. Moses kept sheep until he was bid to deliver Israel. Gideon was threshing when the angel appeared to him and the disciples were fishing when Jesus called them. They used diligence in their callings and then threw their hearts into their higher calling. I love that from Charles Spurgeon. I want to repeat that last line in case you missed it. They used diligence in their callings, and then they threw their hearts into their higher calling. I can't help but think how many times we focus our eyes on everything around us, except for what is right in front of us, right where God has put us. We want bigger and better, but we aren't diligent with what's been given to us. We want more followers, and yet we don't see the blessing in the ones we currently have. We want a new life, and yet we aren't willing to diligently serve the people in the life we have today. That's no way to be successful. And it's surely no way to be your best self. Okay, friends, this is the part of the book that actually inspired the kids' book. Are you ready for this? Here we go. I surprised Aaron with a getaway for his 40th birthday. I had every intention to pack his bags and take him to the airport without his even knowing about the trip. But I also knew this was a sure way to evoke unnecessary anxiety on a person. So I presented Aaron with a card on a Friday night telling him we were leaving on Sunday after church for a birthday celebration. I told him what kind of clothes to pack and that we were getting on an airplane and then renting a car. That's all he knew. So we arrived in Phoenix and began a few hours drive toward our final destination of Sedona, which side note, I highly recommend you guys. We loved it. Along the way, we talked, listened to music and admired the scenery that looks so different than what we're accustomed to seeing in Central Texas. One thing I noticed were the ginormous cacti along the road, those kind with the big arms, the ones you want to stop and take your picture in front of. They're actually called saguaro cactus. Which, side note, you guys, I mispronounce that word all the time, and it is, I have an entire kid's book about this kind of cactus, and it's in this book, so just forgive me. I'm doing the best I can. So they're called saguaro cactus, and they can grow to more than 40 feet tall. They're huge, basically, and they're so beautiful. I am actually now wishing I would have gotten out and made Aaron take my picture in front of one. But the closer we got to Sedona, I started to notice we were seeing fewer and fewer of them, whereas they'd once been almost everywhere we looked. Now I saw mostly the smaller kind of cactus that grow close to the ground. The desert prickly pear, for instance, is beautiful in its own way, but they're for sure a lot different than those enormous cactus plants I'd been admiring along our drive. A few days later, we took a pink Jeep tour through the mountains, which it's actually called the pink Jeep tour, guys. And so I also highly recommend that. We did this through the mountains where our guide brought up the difference in cactus he said we'd probably seen as we drove up to Sedona. I immediately felt like student of the year for picking up on this fact earlier. He said the reason we hadn't seen any of the big, tall saguaro cacti up here in northern Arizona is because they can't survive there. Temperatures occasionally drop below freezing in that region, and the saguaro is so tall and full of so much water that it would freeze and topple over from its weight. They were never meant to thrive in another type of climate than the one they thrive so amazingly in. A light bulb went off in my head at that moment, because isn't that the description of what we do? We go around wanting to be the big cactus, the one that looks so much better and shows off so much cooler in the pictures. We look around at other jobs, other women, other families, other careers, other gifts, other talents, and wish they were the ones that we had or were more like. We think we'd be better off if we changed jobs, got married, married someone else, stayed home, worked outside the home, moved to a new town. And yet sometimes we need to realize we weren't ever meant to thrive in those places or with those people. God was so smart when he placed the saguaro cactus in southern Arizona where it can stand tall in its environment all year long. 
And he is so smart to place you and me in the places that are ideal for us as well. Ideal for what we need and are able to offer. I'm convinced we often miss the blessing that God has placed in front of us because we think something better is out there for us. We become so self-focused about our lives that we are no longer serving, but are constantly trying to figure out how we can be served. We're comparing everything we have to everyone around us. We grow discontented with the gifts that God has poured out to us. We question our seat at the table. We wish we were invited to other tables rather than the ones where we're seated at. We look around and wonder why she has the life she lives and why we're stuck here with this one. It's time we learn to bloom where we're planted. It's time we showed up where we've been assigned. This does not negate any amount of hard work and striving to do our best, but it completely negates hard work and striving for something that God never intended us to have. It means we trust in our seasons. We find peace with wherever God is using us. We quit wishing for someone else's life and begin living the one we've been given. Paul said it this way. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Trust the God of the universe and what he has prepared for you. Walk in step with him. Trust in him. Serve him. Give your life away for him and watch your life bloom where he has planted you. Friends, that is from my book, UBU, which came out in October of 2020. That was chapter eight called Bloom Where You're Planted. And I told you earlier that that chapter is actually what spurred on this idea for the kids book. So my kids book, God Made You to Be You, like I've told you already, it released yesterday. I'm so excited. If you have gotten a copy of it, this might be a time where you pause the podcast Get the book, grab your kids because I'm going to read it to you guys. And if you haven't gotten it, I hope this blesses you as well. But I remember that story from when Aaron and I were in Sedona. And I remember just thinking so much about how God planted that cactus specifically where it was because that's where it was supposed to be. And I thought as much as I need to hear this message at 43 and I need to hear it at 50 probably and I needed to hear it at 20. What about our little kids? Like how much do they also need to hear the message that they have a purpose right where they are, that God designed them to be the person they were supposed to be. And so that is how God made you to be you was created. So I'm going to take a break real quick so we can thank our sponsors. And then when you get back, I'm going to read the book to you. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. All right, guys, I'm back and I'm ready to read God Made You to Be You. Here we go. Here they come. Here they come. Sammy called to his friends. Is everyone ready for the fun to begin? The kids laughed and played while exploring the land. They spotted a trail of fresh tracks in the sand. 
Jack Rabbit. Get out with wiggling nose. While Dove yeah. fluttered down. In her very bad foes. Each kid took a snapshot of Sammy or two. Then they scurried to find other fun things to do. As Sammy sat watching, his arms slowly slump. He wanted to run and skip, burrow and jump. He twisted and turned, pulling hard at his roots. He lost quite a few of his flowers and fruits, but he couldn't move. Not an inch, not one. His heart broke a bit in that afternoon sun. I'm no good, he said. Why, that's easy to see. I am sticky stuck here. I just stuck being me. The kids waved goodbye in the heat of the day. They piled in their van and it sputtered away. In a flash, all the animals gathered around. They didn't like seeing their friend with a frown. Sammy sighed a big sigh. I don't know what to do. I wish I were less like me and more like you. If I jumped like Jackrabbit, I'd hip hop along. So to croon from the... A cool coyote sun. If I slithered like snake, I'd crisscross desert floors. Oh, to fly high like hawk. On the winds, I would soar. If I tiptoed like... all around. Or with bats' mighty claws, I could sleep upside down. If I climbed rocky cliffs, I would leap like bobcat. Oh, to burrow neath worms, just like kangaroo rat. But I can't jump or slither. I can't hop or fly. I cannot move no matter how hard I try. I don't see one thing that is special about me. I am sticky stuck here. I'm just stuck being me. Well, Jackrabbit listened to Sammy and then, with a twitch of her ears, declared, this has to end. These things that you're thinking, they're simply not true. Our lives wouldn't be quite the same without you. Yes, listen to us, Mama Dove gently cooed, and let us remind you of all you can do. You hold my dear children up high in the and hide, little... Lord Picker, save me and ride. Shy Tortoise then whispered a low, rumbling sound. My family likes eating your fruit from the ground. Next, Bat piped up quick with a tiny squeak squeak. The nectar I drink from your flowers is sweet. Al turned her head round and she winked her big eyes, then yawned in the sun and hoo-hooed her reply. Your arms rock my babies to sleep in the day, so when the night comes, we can soar, hunt, and play. You're steady, you're strong, you're always so steady. Someone needs hope, you're sure to be ready. So just be the cactus God made you to be. You're perfectly awesome at being Sammy. Sammy sat there and thought, Can it really be true? Does God have important things for me to do? Yes, I am sticky ducky. What a great way to be. I'm here for a reason. The Lord planted me. I don't soar or slither. I can't creep or fly. But my friends have now helped me to understand why. We each have a purpose. God made you to be you and me to be me. Good job. <laughs> the end. You guys, that is the entire book. 
And I love reading it to you because the story is so beautiful, even without the images. But when you have the book in your hand and you see the illustrations, it's so beautiful. So God Made You to Be You, released yesterday, October 5th. You can get it wherever books are sold. It would be so exciting for me to see you post about it with your kids. And so tag me if you do. I would love to see it. Guys, thank you for listening to this unusual episode today where I read from two books of mine. I hope they were an encouragement to you. I hope that the chapter from UBU, the book I released last year, really encouraging men and women to believe that the gifts that God gave them have a purpose and they're useful and that they can find success in their faithfulness. I want to be a woman who is chasing faithfulness more than I'm chasing success. And I want our kids to know that God made them with a purpose. He made them to be them. And that is what this book does. God made you to be you and me to be me. Guys, if you haven't got a copy of the book, you can get it wherever books are sold. And if you want more information about the book, go to jamieivy.com slash kids. Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you, and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is actually the number one way that people find out about our show, because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make us laugh and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy, And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing. Well, come over and find us there and you can. JamieIvy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.